Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. It should go without saying. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis, and this is, of course, one of our most anticipated episodes every year. So anticipated, we're doing it for the second time. It's our 2021 AFL season preview. Um, joining me as he did last year, as he does every time we talk about AFL, is Cameron McDonald. How are you doing, Cameron? G'day, Pana. I've been anticipating this podcast. Oh, very good. Very good. So, all right, footy's back. We're, uh, it's still not back to normal, but we are, I think, in a much better spot uh, in terms of looking forward to things and a, and a lot more certainty than we were 12 months ago. So, um, I guess just off the top, is there one thing that is exciting you about this upcoming uh, weekend of football? Is, it, is it, Are you going to be able to go this week? I'm not able to go this week, um, and I don't know what what's come over me. But I've planned a um, a work trip for Friday, and I'll, I'll I'll miss Collingwood season opener. So I don't know. Do you call that um, growing up? A little bit of maturity where I like the date hadn't occurred to me when I was um, organising to go interstate. Um, look, look, the words that you say make sense, but the tone that you which you say them doesn't make. I mean, it's like. <laughs> It should be negative, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's a bit of a heartbreaker, um, especially after a full year of missing out on footy. But uh, I've got round two pegged, and and um, Thursday night Collingwood versus Carlton. I'm I'm going to sink my teeth into that one. But it should um, be. It yeah. should be. It should be good in their infinite wisdom. The AFL of sense and killed it as Sydney in round <laughs> one. Um, and so there's there's no opportunity to go there. Um, I'm I'm not sure you know what 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 the situation would be with the border when I came back as to when I left. So we'll just we just put that one on the back burner. But round two looks very promising. So and if we can find some way to keep um, Max Gorn off the field for that round two game, that'd be nice too. Considering what's been going on at St Kilda in the preseason, just a few people falling over te- uh, temporarily but they've anyway. had a hell of a time haven't they we will How's we will Max get to them the other day we will, <laughs> we will get to them yeah that's that's uh that's one of the more freakish injuries uh we've we've heard about in recent times um mm-hmm. or or at any time really it's uh it's not quite bob pratt being hit by a truck before the 1934 grand final but um which cameron's probably thinking he'd remember it well punter but um <laughs> But um, it is it is pretty freakish. Happened at the right stage of the season. Didn't happen. Didn't happen the day before a grand final. Anyway, for those for the uninitiated, um, our season preview podcast, whether they be NBA, AFL, or any other sport we want to we want to go on. Um, the rule is this is my podcast, so we go in the or, or, reverse order of my ladder. So we're going to go from the team I think is going to finish last, team I think is going to finish first, and of course all. All predictions wrong, all your money back. Um, so, so I'm going to start at the bottom, and I think uh, I think in most people's uh, predictions, this is a coin flip as to who they who they're going to predict, who they think is going to finish last, and it is the bottom two teams from last year. Uh, I've come down on the side of North Melbourne um, to finish last. Um, I don't see a lot this year to get me enthusiastic about them. I think, I think they've probably started um, 
the beginning of the bottoming out um and and and, and the wheel turning a little bit um new coach they've obviously got some players in in the off season they, they've taken a more long-term view but uh there's not a lot to get excited about North Melbourne this season, in in my view, and probably the the lack of you know a a real eleven game home ground advantage probably just sees me uh, stick the uh, stick North Melbourne below Adelaide. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I don't mind the youth at, at North. I think there's a, a little bit to look forward to um, from LDU to. Um, Taron Thomas and a few of those players. I think there's um, there's enough guys that I like. Um, Jai Simkin, of course, had a pretty awesome year last year, and they've still got a pretty handy ruckman there in um, in Goldstein. Jack Zebel's back to a bit of fitness. I, I'm sort of, I mean, you know, we're splitting hairs. I don't have North finishing last, but um, I do. I agree with you. They're in the bottom two. Um, uh, I I I I think I'd still rather barrack for North than Adelaide. Oh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think I'd rather just about do anything than Barrack for Adelaide. But um, um, having said, there's probably two or three clubs in the AFL I can think of very quickly that I'd rather less Barrack for. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they have some some nice young talent. But probably, if if they can find a way uh, to jump a level, um, but the ongoing uh, question about Ben Cunnington's availability. Uh, is a is an ongoing concern, and and they've probably got to think about moving on from relying on him as a barometer anyway. Um, they fell away last year as soon as he wasn't playing, so and they were pretty competitive when he did play. Obviously, there was a whole bunch of other stuff happened in the last 12, 13 weeks of the season that compounded that. But they have other guys who are who have been their best, most reliable players over the last few years, like. Uh, Jack Siebel and Robbie Tarrant, who are who whose whose ages start with the three, and there's got to be that transition. And also, they they that they there was root and branch pruning of that list, maybe the most severe pruning of a list in one off season we've seen in some time, maybe since Carlton, shortly after the salary cap was in the early two thousands. So. There's looks a, a different list. You know, guys like Pollack and, and Aaron Hall have survived, um, but others who hadn't been there very long were uh, cut to the wayside. So certainly I think it's easy for North Melbourne fans to be optimistic, um, but they would have to play the expectation game properly. I think there'll be some moments there this season when um, uh they will make their fans happy with some unexpected or, or you know, uh, you know, going over expectations, I guess, or exceeding expectations. But I'm not sure we're going to see the North Melbourne from, say, two years ago that dismantled Collingwood. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, it was, it was certainly... <laughs> you're exactly right. They sort of carved away at their list um, in that last off-season. Um, yeah, yeah. As you say, I think, as I said earlier, I think we're we're splitting hairs, um, whichever way we go. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't mind that sort of core group of young fellas, and I think Will Phillips is another handy addition, um, who's ready to go this year. So I hope we I hope we see plenty of him as well. 
I guess the other thing that I probably and this, it's just and, and last season wasn't that long ago. Um, I was probably a li- little bit happier with how Adelaide finished their season last year. So, um, it probably makes me feel maybe that maybe the Adelaide Crows are just a little bit further ahead um, in their rebuild. Just, but it could be a false dawn. You know, some teams hit a patch of form and the, at the end of the season, and that's what you take. That's what's fresh in people's minds, and that can be sort of a false dawn. But um, I think I think they. I mean, I think we could sort of tick them off in our preview. You know, sort of pretty quickly and together. Um, I think I think both teams are still a long way away from finals, and and I think most people would have them as, as their as their bottom two. Absolutely. Mm. Um. But I, I, I do think, you know, especially with the crowds coming back, I mean, if, they, if Adelaide can do something early in the season, that they, they probably could have an easier first game than Geelong, but they are playing them in Adelaide. So um, I don't like the Crows' chance to win that first game. Funnily enough, North Melbourne are at, at home on, on Sunday afternoon to Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, I don't... I, 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 if they could, if they could be two and two after four games, Adelaide, they might, they might engender a bit of momentum in that town. But uh, they've also got. I mean, uh, the, other, the other thing working against them in terms of the, the city of Adelaide is they've got a very good team down the road. So it'll be interesting, and we'll, I think we'll find out more about whether Matthew Nix is going to be a successful coach this year. To be truthful, um, there was a lot of built-in. Uh, explanations for why they were so poor last season. I mean, they played one game. They weren't too bad in round one, but they lost. They lost at home to a team that didn't play finals. But after the after the break, they they played their worst and least competitive footy, and they eventually managed to turn it around. They've still got some key position uh, talent, but it is aging. They probably need to start that transition. Um, but uh, Rory Laird has signed on long term, which is good for them. That's uh, that's a good little story. But you know, I'd be very surprised if either Adelaide or North Melbourne won more than five games. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, look, you, you've you've been quite convincing there. I'm not sure now whether whether Adelaide finished below um, North, but. I did have a look at the first four rounds and um, we might know by round four because they play each other in round four. Um, I don't think Adelaide are sneaking a win prior to that. Um, They play some pretty handy sides. Um, They might feel they were a chance against Sydney, but it's away. So, um, yeah, I'd be thinking um, we might be, we might have decided the wooden spoon by, by round four. Um, The way I see both these profiles. Fair enough. So my next question is, and this is this refers to the next couple I want to talk about is, and my question is, is the only reason why we're not throwing Hawthorne in with North Melbourne Adelaide is because of Alistair Clarkson? Yep. <laughs> yep, basically. I think I Short did answer. something similar last year. Absolutely. Like the, the, the best coach in the AFL. Mm. Um, can't be written off. And, um, you know, you can still reel off some handy names at Hawthorne as well. So. Um, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. My groupings, 
it's, I think it's pretty clear for me who the who the bottom four sides are actually this year, and then I reckon from from about sixth to fourteenth is wide open. Okay, so I mean I've named three clubs. Are those three in your bottom four? They are. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I won't completely gloss over Hawthorne, although I think. I think they got glossed over last season, and it was it was easy to it was easy to gloss over clubs because the football came so thick and so fast that it's easy uh, to not pay much attention to a Hawthorne playing a home game on a Tuesday afternoon at five pm in Adelaide, but, <laughs> which which actually happened. Um, their list profile is further away from starting to turn the corner than North Melbourne and Adelaide. So they still have a significant core of, you know, quite old players. So mm. you can, you know, you can mention at North Melbourne, you can mention the guys I mentioned in Cunnington and Zeebel and Tarrant. At, at Adelaide, you can mention Taylor Walker and Talia and, and Sloan. But, you know, at Hawthorne, you've got Sean Burgoyne, who I think if he plays round one becomes the 10th oldest VFL, AFL footballer in history. I mean, congratulations. He's an absolute champion. Um, but you know that's where he's in, and and he didn't have a spectacular season last season. Um, ben McAvoy, who's now the captain, um, he's getting on Jack Gunston. Um, they've already pretty much put a line through two senior players, and I mean senior is in, you know, not not youngsters. I mean Tom Scully's retired, and you know one would struggle to see um, a situation where Jonathan Patton will play uh, anytime soon. Um, you know, I, I just think I think I think we're giving Alistair Clarkson a huge amount of credit, and a lot more people in the in the community. And I, to be fair, I would probably be considering a lot stronger if it wasn't for Alistair Clarkson and probably what he did in 2017, um, when Hawthorne looked through the first two months of the season every bit like a wooden spoon contender, and then he coached them up, and they were competitive for the rest of the season. Mm. So it's not only it's not only Clarkson's success you know, as a coach and winning four premierships. I think it's Clarkson's, you know, success in this particular situation that is making us, you know, probably give Hawthorne the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, great coaches have, have, um, have had, you know, ordinary years as well. So I don't think we'll, we'll write him off if they can't find a way out of the mire this year. Um, I pulled up their list now online. I'm just having a little glance through and it's a terrible shame that they won't, have James Sicily take the field this year either. It's another mm. huge hole in that kind of, you know, he, he is a genuine star um, marshalling uh, across half back. And, you know, you, you take that out of that side, especially this year, and um, and they are in trouble. Um, yeah, I, I think they are. They're a, they're a genuine um, bottom couple of clubs list with the best coach in the AFL. So it remains to be seen, but uh, I, I think they're a bottom four club. Yep. Um, okay, that's and you know, there's their supporters have certainly. I mean, in my lifetime, they wouldn't have won ten flags. Just thinking off the top of my head, I think nine. So, um, they can endure for a little while. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, the longer the better. Um, I'm going to flip around to you. Who else have you got in your bottom four? Who's the fourth team? I have Essendon in my bottom four. Well, that's Clarkson. who I have as well. 
So um, we've got the same bottom four. Um, I mentioned this in podcasts when I last year when I talked about them, and you know I've I've indulged and listened to them, listened back to them. Um, I think at your request after my incredible you know predictions about <laughs> Dusty in the grand final, um, they're 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 ordinary. Um, I, 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 there's not, there's not one player on that team at the moment who, who, as much as I admire Heppel, I think he's a good player. Probably, and, and you know, actually, there's probably one guy. Um, but, and and it's McDonald, Tim, and Woody. But he'd be the only guy on that team who would be like, I would, I, I'm going to go out of my way to sit down in front of a television and watch this team. Um, other than that, there is, there's. You know, there's the promise of Jake Stringer. Um, there are other, you know, good, solid, you know, probably a bit better than that, but not superstar AFL players. Guys like Michael Hurley, who we don't know when he's going to start playing this season. Kyle Hooker, who might be in his last season. Um, you know, David Zakarakis is probably in season 12 or 13. Um, but just... And, and, you know, the names roll off the tongue with... with with the Essendon midfield, you know, you've got Andrew McGrath as a number one draft pick who's probably just about their best midfield at the moment, but also guys like Zach Merritt, Dylan Shield, Devin Smith. These are guys that played a lot of football last season. Um, Darcy Parrish, another high draft pick, but just sort of didn't get them anywhere. And in the end, they were, uh, they, you know, they weren't a great hang. They were, they were not good to watch. They, you know, overpossessed the football and didn't do a lot with it. And, there's, there's very little that gets me excited about this football team. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I'm going to give a little bit more credit to Andrew McGrath, who I think um, lost him last year and can be um, a really, really good footballer and one that might sort of be that kind of player to say, get on my back and let's go. Um, he needs to take another step this year, but I think he can. Um, whether they whether they got their the right man with the number one pick sort of remains to be seen, and I think McCluggage up in um, Brisbane is is showing that he's going to be a very good footballer. But um, I, I rate McGrath, and I think Sam Draper is potentially an exciting recruit um, for Essendon. Um, in the ruck, showed some really good signs um, through the middle and latter half of last year. Um, some genuine aggression, and I think he'll he'll grab a hold of the number one ruck mantle. Um, but beyond that, I, I, I feel the same. Um, they don't have a point of difference in their midfield, despite having some, um, you know, some some very good players. I think that they've um, missed the opportunity to recruit a big-bodied midfielder over the journey. And they say this Jai Caldwell, who they've got in from um, GWS, might be the solution as that inside guy. Um, but that's been a hole in their list for a really long time. And the guys that they've recruited with, you know, um, good-sized bodies in the Devin Smiths and Jake Stringers of the world, you know, they, they they really only go into the middle sparingly and they haven't had big impacts when they've gone in there or or their tanks have been found lacking or wanting. Um, yeah, just looking through now, Aaron Francis is another um, who's promised so much and not really delivered. Um, they had a huge hand at the draft this year um, with Cox, Reed, and Perkins. Um, with those first three picks. And um, Cox is the one who's who's being spoken about 
um, this preseason as being a, a bit of a freak, um, you know, standing as as tall as he does and essentially playing wing at this stage of his career. So, a bit to look forward to from Bombers fans um, in in the early part of the year, just through hopefully getting a look at all of those all those guys. Um, but I think overall. Um, most Bombers fans who would tell you that there's something um, to look forward to would be guessing. Um, and the the list profile is bottom four club. Mm. To be fair, I think I've probably got them 15th above Hawthorne, Adelaide, North Melbourne, because I think their list is deeper. Um, I think their 22nd best player is probably better than the three clubs below them. So I feel they'll probably be more competitive for that reason. Um but a lot of the same issues with Hawthorne, Adelaide, North Melbourne. And, they, you know, if, if it goes, you know, Essendon have managed to get those three youngsters, you, you know, six, seven, pick six, seven, eight, as you said in, uh, as you said in Perkins and Cox and uh, Reed, um, which is certainly has the opportunity, you know, it gives them the, the opportunity to rebuild through, you know, one draft really, because it, it's a line basically. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, significant part of a team and if you hit on all three um it really does turn things around and yeah and you've got draper who's you know starting to get into that uh, age profile when ruckman really start to flourish and there's been big reps on him for for a couple of years around Essendon, although he hasn't been in the side all the time now he's got a free run at it because there's no one re- he's the clear number one so um but they have some of those other issues about aging stars and those sort of things. So, you know, any one of these four clubs, things could go really bad for this year if they get one or two key injuries, and 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 some of the some of the clubs already have them, um, which always seems to be the way that bad teams tend to pick up, tend to have bad luck and pick up injuries. Um, but you know, they have, they have a they have a they probably have the most cause for optimism of the four clubs in terms from a list profile. Um, but someone, one or two players have got to emerge and become that that top 25 in the league level player. And they just, they don't have, you know, I'll, I don't know, does Robbo's top 50 come out tomorrow or is, did, is that still a thing? I don't know that, you know, it's the sort of thing where you wouldn't be surprised if a preseason top 50 players in the league didn't include an Essendon player. Where, whereas... And, and and again, it's probably the same situation with all the bottom three clubs. Although, you know, Hawthorne have a Brownlow medalist um, who should be in the middle of his prime. And, you know, Adelaide have Rory Sloan. And, but, you know, having said that, I think it's been well established that neither you nor I particularly wish the Essendon Football Club well. So <laughs> let's, 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 for the uninitiated, let's get out the sheet music and play the real waltz. Um, they may also, just before we move on quickly from Essendon, they may also um, be looking north um, to Brisbane, uh, a genuine contender for this year, um, and a big boy running around for them suddenly free of injury and um, wonder what might have been. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, he showed a glimpse here and a glimpse there in the in the sh- small contribution he was able to make last season. Um, it's another one It's. It's another interesting one where, you know, we all thought the location was one place and it ended up becoming another place. So sort of reminiscent of, of Buddy Franklin going to Sydney when everyone thought he was going to GWS and now 
you know, desert walk, walking into what, you know, is an ideal situation in Brisbane. We will get to the Brisbane much later in the podcast. Um, much, much later. Much, much later. I'm going to Queensland now, though, for number 14, and that is the Gold Coast Suns. Um, I've, uh, I've been watched. I, I'm about halfway through the Making Your Mark uh, documentary series on Amazon Prime, which I can highly recommend, and hopefully um, you've either, you know, people listening have either have, have subscribed to that streaming service or it'll become available on other services like uh, Amazon's other good uh, Australian sports documentary series, The Tests, uh, became available, I think, on other, on other services eventually. Um, there's a lot to like about what Gold Coast are building and they showed really good signs last season. Um, obviously, we're all really excited to see a full season of Matt Rowe um, because what we saw in glimpses last season was really exciting. Um, but we also saw you know, probably 10 other guys who we hadn't heard much about um, really take a take a huge step forward guys like uh will powell and uh and uh who are, you know um noah anderson jack lacocious yes um i think lacocious is a pretty high draft pick i'm trying to think of who i'm thinking of there's a might just be powell who's there there was a there's a there's another forward it's, um jack bowers was another one um and jack they, seem have, they seem to have uh and, and Lockie Weller took a, a step last season. Alex Sexton's the one I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, and uh, Sam Collins had an excellent year uh, in the back line, which was really important considering who had walked out of the club the year before. So, you know, they, 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 they have a nice depth about them now, and we know they've got someone, at least one player, who we, we, we're all of the opinion that he's going to be at the top notch, and he's probably going to be in it. A lot of a lot of pundits top fifty list, maybe in top twenty five going into the season. He played four games or five games. Um, we saw a bit out of Isaac Rankin last year, which should get us excited. Um, they don't really have any list weaknesses as well. They don't have an area of the field where you think, think like, well, they haven't got someone there. Um, they've got key position players. You know, you've got Jared Witts in the ruck, who's been he's in the top half. I think of the Ruckman in the league, you know, you know, best seven or eight. Um, you've got Ben King, um, who really looks like the sort of centre half forward you can build a team around for ten years. So there's a lot to like. I, you, you know, and I and I've said this for many years. Um, good teams always get there early. Um, I'm 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 you know it is more tradition or just you know, habit that I've got the Gold Coast down as 14th. There's a couple of other clubs on the rise that I probably like a little bit more um, and are probably not coming from as far back. Um, but I think there's a bit of a gap between that bottom four in my mind and then the next group where, you know, I, you know, Gold Coast get on a run. Who knows what could happen? Um and history says they do get on a run, punter. Mm. Like, um, especially if they can turn that ground into an advantage. You know, um, you know, this year might not be the year because you know the rest of the competition played so many games at Metricon and the Gabba last year season. So I think there might be a bit of a, a a coming back of home ground advantage for Brisbane and Gold Coast this season. But 
Um, yeah, just and and just I like their additions. They're uh, the players they've brought in from other clubs too. I thought Brandon Ellis is a nice player, and not every player you can bring in from another club, not every recycled player, for want of a better term, the most subjective term in football, recycled player, um, has to be a superstar. You know, you have to be getting value for money and you have to have them playing a, the role that you bring them into. So they bring Brandon Ellison, he does that. They bring Hugh Greenwood in, they, he does that. I'm sure it'll be a similar situation for Rory Atkins this year. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying on the Gold Coast, despite having them 14th. Oh, 100%. They are, they are my bolter this year. I don't think there is a list that that um, I think you said there were a couple um, a couple of lists uh, a couple of teams up and coming teams that you might have ahead of them. Um, this is my up and coming team, uh, which I don't think I think that's a fairly widely held opinion. Um, but I love this list. Um, I think they're going to achieve a lot together, and this should give hope to every team that we do have pegged as a bottom four side in that. We like it doesn't take too much. Essendon particularly could look at this and think with with three top ten picks, you know, what's possible. Or although I think Essendon's probably slightly more closely aligned with a club like Port Adelaide and and, and them taking three hits at the draft and uh, and and turning that club around really quickly. Um, but Gold Coast, yeah, I, I I really like it for all the reasons that you listed. I'll throw Elijah Hollands in the um, in the conversation, who's a, a high draft pick from this year, um, who by all reports, um, without his injuries, would be um, in the conversation for pick one. Uh, a real freakish sort of X factor talent who can um, turn a game really quickly, and you know, throw him in a forward line with Rankin and and Alex Sexton, who spent you know, portions of last year out of the side, but at his best um, has gone close to All-Australian if he hasn't made the team. Um, now, is, with... is Elijah Ben's son, Ben Hollands, the former Richmond player? Because he, he looks just like him. Yeah, just... I have a feeling he might be, but I don't know for sure. Um, and he's not a father-son. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, a bit of a freakish talent um, and one that clubs you know, higher than Gold Coast pick we're looking at. Um, yeah, there, there's just so much to like. And it, it, it's happened so fast up there. We were so worried about him when um, May and Lynch walked out um, to continue the Gold Coast kind of exodus. Um, but they've, they've brought in some, you know, some really solid young men and great footballers, obviously, Rowland Anderson. But those guys are going to want to play football together for their entire careers. Um, when Lukosius and Rankin were taken in that draft, the, the, the common feeling was they'll go back to Adelaide after a couple of years because why wouldn't they? I don't think anybody's kind of thinking that now. You look mm-hmm. at the, the list profiles of both clubs and if Lukosius and Rankin can figure out how to enjoy beautiful, sunny weather the year round, um, they're going to win flags up there. Um, I have them, I mean, in that bracket of teams that can finish anywhere from, I think, sixth to... Um, 14th, um, which is obviously a huge range. But I'd only be surprised if uh, Gold Coast were a top five side or a bottom four side. That's the only thing that would surprise me. I think they could play a final um, or I think they could finish where you've got them finishing. I had them finishing a couple of places higher. No um, worries. The, uh, the betting agency that I'm looking at, who I won't name, um, have them 13th. 
uh, the 13th line of betting for premierships. So there's, they're, they're in front of all the teams we both had in the bottom four, but, and one other team. So mm-hmm. I've got a couple of spots higher. So, um, I, I think there's a bit of trepidation just because of Gold Coast history about whether they can take the next step and become one of those teams that with four weeks, with, you know, at the start of August are playing for a final spot instead of sending blokes in for surgery and fielding off questions about players leaving. The other thing I would mention about, and it was Rankin and Lakotius who were the two uh, South Australian boys, I think that's sort of built on some erroneous thinking my in my experience is the WA boys who go home, but not necessarily the South Australian boys. So, um, if that's a, if that's a bit like Brisbane deciding to stop drafting blokes from Melbourne, but draft them from Country Victoria, if they've decided that that's going to be a different strategy to try and keep players up there a little bit more, then that you know that might work. And for their sake, I hope it does. So, but I haven't heard anything about any sort of concrete things about them wanting to leave. So. No, exactly right. I think that's something that that was just um, hopeful talk from the Adelaide teams um, when they got drafted. Mm. Um, I think there was a there was a push, uh, particularly by Port that year, to kind of race up the draft board, and they got um, they got the picks that that yielded some amazing players. Um, but they were looking. I think that the talk was they were looking to get higher because you couldn't ignore. Lukosius and, and Rankin, but particularly Lukosius is maybe a generational talent. Um, yeah, but it, he's found himself a nice home. Indeed. My next team I have, and this is in 13th spot, is the Fremantle Dockers. Um, obviously, they've got one of the great players in modern AFL history in Nat Fife, um, who should be nearing the end of his prime. Um, they've got a they've got a few other genuine, you know, really really good players. Guys like Walters, Luke Ryan obviously took a huge uh, step last year as well. Uh, Matt Tamina had a great season. Um, I really like I, I I like their list. I like the balance of it. Um, I like the depth of it. They've got really good youth. They brought in some nice players from other clubs. And I didn't think they were far away from us from it last season um, under a new coach. I just think year two, you know, um, if they can, you know, have a, if we can have a normal season in terms of travel, which will which will give which will present an advantage to Fremantle. I think uh, um, they could take a bit of a step. So you know, I was sort of I was. I was enthused about how, how they, they went about that season. I'm also enthused about the fact they've got a player on their list named Tobe Watson. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think what, all we need now is someone think? in a few years named Robe Watson, and I think we'd be fine. Oh, surely Gobe with a, with a G would be like... Gobe. <laughs> yeah, Nirvana. But, um, yeah, no, like, again... I think the beauty of this portion of the eight and maybe my the where my interest will lie in the majority of this season is the 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 way that these clubs shuffle out because I have Frio higher than I have the Gold Coast. And so we're 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 apart in this chunk of the ladder, having been reasonably aligned um with those first four clubs, we're immediately on different pages um with 
with uh, some of these clubs, which I think is par for the course. Um, I'm looking at names like Griffin Logue and Caleb Sarong, who had a sensational year. Um, Adam Chera and uh, uh, who's the other fella? Oh, yeah, Andrew Brayshaw. And just mm. thinking we, we're, we're genuinely watching the next phase of Frio take shape really beautifully. They've um, got... They've already got the depth in the midfield and the improvement in that midfield is going to come from those players, I would think. I mean, it's not like Fremantle supporters should be sitting there thinking we're missing, you know, we were a, def- we were a midfielder short. Um, no, definitely and, not. And, you know, I think guys like Sarah and Brayshaw, they, they, they'd be sort of entering their fourth year, which is when a lot of players take a leap. So, um you, know, you get to the 22, 23 range and there's, there's a little bit more meat in the bones and they're able to really produce week in, week out because they've had that 50, 60 games and they can deal with the the, the, the play physically and they will need to this year because it seems to be the bi- the biggest concern AFL footballers have is going back to being, you know, work, you know working on game day full time, um, which is it's just... Almost extraordinary. I mean, it's like it's not that long ago everyone was playing twenty meter quarters, guys. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it is interesting though. There, there's a club that I want to talk about later that that could find themselves being impacted by um, going back to long quarters. But you know, uh, I don't see it being any of the clubs we've talked about thus far necessarily. Mm. Um, yeah. And one thing that I also want to mention is I'm I'm a big fan of Frio's coach. Um, I think uh, they're they're just in a good spot, and uh, Longmuir presents really really nicely um, as a coach. Speaks really well, and I think has has made a pretty profound impact in a short amount of time. Yeah, they, um, had, they had three or four really not just wins last season because they had more than three or four wins. But they had three or four really encouraging performances where you're like, you know, when when we when Fremantle when their turn comes and they're playing for premierships if everything goes well, you'll think back to those three or four games from last season and think, you know, this is where, you know, this is where this bloke, this is where Sarong, you know, you know, where we really saw what he was capable of and we won that game because of that or mm. one of the other guys. So. Yeah. And I also think, I think Sean Darcy's going to miss a few games this year, but he's of, of the Ruckman in the comp. He might be the guy that uh, along with maybe a, a Bruce um, who, has also is also hurt at the moment, but they might be those uh, those guys. Rowan Marshall also hurt. Um, those the guys that could take a massive step as as the premier ruckman in the game. Darcy's been pretty dominant and just needed to get his legs underneath him um, with some genuine fitness. But he's a he's a monster. Um, so th- they've got a future in there as well. This, the, the midfield that we've spoken about might allow Fife to play as a permanent forward and no one wants to play on that Fife if he's up there. Um, he's that guy that can, you know, still turn a game completely from a wing, from from sentiment and, and, and up forward as well. So, Well, Nat, um, Fife got, Nat Fife becoming a permanent forward reminds one of sort of Mark Rusciuto doing it at the end of his Adelaide career. Only Nat Fife is a better footballer. So um, that... that might be even more terrifying for defences because, yeah, we've seen the problems teams have had with Richmond when Martin does it and with teams with Geelong when Dangerfield did it and they're, they're very similar physical types. So unless we sort of develop, clubs develop this cottage industry of being able to have defenders 
who are mid-sized and have midfielder agility, who are able, but also the strength um, that these guys have. Maybe, maybe the answer is playing them on each other. So I don't know. Well, that's right. You know, and, and even Collingwood with um, the goey and and these these guys that that end up um, being used forward because it's it's just such a point of difference. And whenever those guys go forward, any one of those names you mentioned, they're going to take a catch and they're going to kick a goal because they're going to get separation or they're going to beat the crap out of their opponents. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they use um, Fife in the twilight of his career. I mean, he won a Brownlow. What, what was it like? You know, twelve months ago. Mm. Um, so let's not write him off in the midfield just yet. But um, yeah, Frio, plenty to like. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of the. This is why part of the reason why this season is so exciting is there's that there's so few clubs who you can just put a line through. So, um, the next club I have is Sydney. Um, so I have them in twelfth. I was really happy with how they finished the season with a lot of really good players out. Um, there's been pretty, pretty good buzz about Caleb, Callum Mills taking the next step and moving into the midfield this season. Um, and, 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 and there were a couple of other moves that were really, you know, um, I think they moved Tom McCartan back uh, halfway through the season. And, and uh, that seemed to be, that seemed to be a move that works. So, um, they're probably, and obviously Tom Papley had an incredible season. So I don't think they're quite as deep as some other clubs. Um, but I, I was, I was, I was really happy with how they finished the season and, 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 and because they've been such a well-run, well-coached team for so long, I'm probably bumping them up a spot. So I imagine I'm quite as high as I have. I haven't got them as high as you have, but I've heard a lot of discourse saying that they're not going to stay down for very long at all. And it's, you know, I guess for me, Sydney's season will depend on, um, you know, Callum Mills taking that next step and being of way more value to them in the guts than he is in the back line. Um, Isaac Heaney coming back from a fairly rotten, um, broken leg and uh, finding something like his best form. I agree with you. I think that there's some really nice players underneath those guys. Um, but for a couple of years now with the Swans, um, a lot has rested um, on that next generation of, of gun Sydney players that we know are going to like be very, very good players um, arriving as opposed to um, teasing. Um, I agree. Papley, Papley's been uh, a revelation up forward. You know, we haven't seen any of, Buddy Franklin, um, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I feel like that, that, that's the pivot for Sydney is, is Heaney and Mills. If they, can, if they can play something like their best football, um, maybe they are a team that will, that will ride nice and quickly and, and those guys can sort of bring that next generation along for the ride. Um, because I agree, I think McCartan back was a really good move. Um, you know... Jake Lloyd's one of those incredible small backs that um, you know is is so reliable. Luke Parker, that, Luke Parker, and um, Josh Kennedy, and and some of those established mids are going to. We know what they're going to give you. Um, but yeah, I mean, three debutants in round one this year. Um, the boy um, McDonald that they um, took at pick two. 
Is that his name? Um, yep. Yeah, he's, you know, obviously he won't be ready, but uh, it'll be exciting to watch him run around. Um, Errol Goulden, I believe, is going to play in round one. And Braden Campbell, who um, has ended up being, I think is an academy guy, who's ended up being a sort of top five, top six pick. Um, you know, that's really exciting. But um, I think I think their best years are ahead of them, which is why I, I sort of, I had them, I had them finishing 14th, uh, but not with any real conviction. I, they, they could make a run for sure, but I still think the pivot point for those guys, uh, for the Swans, is, is Mills and Heaney. And so Mills was fairly impacting games, you know, pretty strongly as a, as a defender last year and, and really racking them up. Um, do they rob Peter to pay Paul um, by pushing him into the midfield? Um, and how good is how how fit is Isaac Heaney? I still think it depends on those guys. Fair enough. Tom Hickey is at Sydney in his fourth club, so shout out to the man affectionately known in our household as um, because of a picture of him, a, a club photo of him a couple of years ago at St Kilda, where he had this horrific hair that looked like. And if you know Seinfeld, there's an episode where their shower heads get replaced and their hair goes all flat. Kramer and Seinfeld. So Tom Hickey, affectionately known in our house as low flow showerhead. Um, but good to see him. Uh, good to see him at fourth club in a fourth different state. So I think that's the first time that's happened. So more strength to your arm, Tom. Um, I'm not leaving Sydney for my next club. I've got GWS in 11th spot. And they weren't an 11th spot when I penciled in my uh, my order of teams and uh, I have since become less bullish on them. So I honestly think that everyone from Sydney down probably, you know, has like pro- probably a l- less than 20% chance of making the finals. So there's talent, there's reason to be enthused. They'll, they'll knock off some big teams. Um, They'll look good at some moments, but they'll probably look ordinary on, on days as well. Um, I, 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 I thought out loud after, you know, a few podcasts here about GWS, you know, after the grand final um, and a couple of stages last season, obviously the, 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 the trade week they had last week, last year with other players leaving that, uh, you know, perhaps there was just a buildup of too much stuff. We haven't really seen a team recover from a shocking like that in a grand final and bounce back quickly since the, the early 80s. Um, there's been a whole bunch of talent that's walked out the door. Um, having watched half of the Making the Mark documentary, it's not, it's not, doesn't reflect well on what was going on at GWS last year. Um, and of course, Lockie Whitfield is, I think, out indefinitely. Um, and they, I mean, and they're going to be running around a couple of un, unproven ruckmen at the start of the season. Um, they've, I don't think Jesse Hogan or Jake Riccardi are playing round one, which is fine for me because they're playing my team. Um, but there's a point where the, it just becomes too much to deal with, and I'm just I'm selling on GWS. I'm, I think I'm going to come out and say 
that the that the the first crack at a premiership for GWS, the one that started when they ended the competition or just before, um, that pro that process that uh, that uh, that circle is over, um, and I think I think I think they're going to fall this year. I don't think they're going to fall this year. Um, I, I can't I can't be as bullish as I've been on them in other years, of course, um, but I have GWS making the eight. Um, I, 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 there's just still so much quality on this list, um, and there always has been. There's always you've always they've always been able to get rid of guys and 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 draft guys and bring guys in. Um, they've still got an unbelievable midfield, which um, unless you know, and even when they've come up against the real gun ruckman of the competition, they've got guys in there who can who can read the taps. I don't think Coniglio is anywhere near as bad as he played last year. Um, and you might know more than me having watched this doco, but I'll be really interested to see how he bounces back. Obviously, Whitfield is a star and um, uh, they need him running around. But when you've got guys like Coniglio, Hopper, Taranto, um, Tom Green, who I thought showed plenty, um, Toby Green, uh, there's, there's, still, there's still so many good players at this footy club. Um, I, I'm not sold. I mean, I, I would like to see those key forward guys running around, but um, yeah, they had a problem think, scoring last season. There's no getting around it. Yeah, yeah, but I I was kind of watching them play, thinking this isn't this isn't hopeless. They're just their their ball movement has has um. It's like the instruction was out, but um. I'm going to give them a bit of a pass based on, I think they were probably the club most affected by COVID. Um, round one, they come out and they, they gave Geelong a slap. It was one of the most resounding and like, it was a big statement in round one um, that potentially the, um, Grand final result was behind them a little bit. At the time, we all wondered whether it might be a, a proper slide for Geelong. Uh, they kicked 17-3 that day, the Giants, and they, they were very, very impressive. Um, you know, And the, the season was, was scuppered from that point on, and I just don't think they ever looked like a good football team again after that. Um, but I think there's enough guys running through there that, um, that can play excellent footy. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not writing them off, but I'm, I'm sort of, <laughs> I know that, um, there's plenty of people who are siding with you, um, but I've got them sneaking into eighth. They are, a, they are, a, they're equal 10th on the premiership betting. So yeah, I, I'm probably not sticking my head, my, my neck out that much, but I, I just, I just, I worry about their trajectory. Um, you know, and, and and I'm halfway through this documentary, and I, I just I see a lot of I see a lot of signs to make me think that uh, you know. I mean, I hope for their sake that you know Caniglio is a is a little bit more, and I mean this is harsh because obviously you know, you know the sort of the, the sky fell in last year for for a, for a lot of people, um, but as the captain, you've sort of got a you've got to get through that and, and sort of be of service to your, to your teammates. And I don't think Coniglio 
um, was a, you know was the view that I that he didn't need to be, but um, he was certainly very very down and not not a not a a positive you know radiant influence at the club for whatever reason. And they could be they could be yeah, absolutely understandable reasons, but that would be an explanation for part of their performance, I would think. Um, well, you've already got a club finishing higher than GWS uh, that I believe was also fairly massively impacted by um, COVID, who came out and rolled a good team in round one and then fell apart yeah. um, for a number of reasons. You can probably guess who I'm talking about, but um, there there were truly great players at that club who were seemingly, who looked injured all year and who now say that they weren't, who were just clearly impacted mentally and i'm just I, I don't know i just think there's enough quality running around there i don't think you i mean jeremy cameron is a fine player but i'm 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 not convinced that um that you know that you that stops them being able to rediscover being a ferrari and, no and coming out and belting a team in round one but uh i'm i, I yeah you might be spot on look i'm on the i'm on the record i don't want them belting anyone in round one yeah. um, <laughs> is the team you're talking about Collingwood? Mm. Yeah, so let's talk about them next because that's where I have them. Um, it's hard to get around the exodus of talent. It's it, it's just hard. I mean, it's hard to get around. I mean, there's no there's the, you know Trelaw, Stevenson, um, and Phillips who are who you know Tom Phillips is a building block best twenty two player, but you've got to have them. Um, Tomlinson, not Tom, uh, Stevenson, sorry. Jaden Stevenson, you know, um, probably your best ten players in your grand final year, and and was the rising star, um, and and pretty backed it up in year two, um, you know, very good first couple of years. So, um, and and of course Trelaw was is a is an excellent player. So. Again, I mean, I, I feel probably the same, but I'm just, I mean, I, I could, I could swap either of these clubs, Collingwood and GWS, in the spot, but I've got them pretty much in the same sort of position, and I'm, um, I probably, you know, a week ago had, had the position swapped. So, but my feelings about both clubs are very similar. I lump them in the same. Yeah, I think that's a pretty reasonable call. Um, I've got the pies missing the eight. Um, we, we haven't had a club in the same position yet in the portion of the 18 clubs that I was talking about earlier, which I think, again, um, is just so fascinating and where much of the interest of this year is going to come from. Um, there are enough good Collingwood players to mount a case that they are a top eight team mm. with, without... Um, Trelaw and Stevenson um, without all the guys who have left and who made very little impact on our season last year. Um, you can sort of go through each line of this list and go Dugowie and Grundy and um, Josh Dacos who burst onto the scene last year and was one of the shining lights in a pretty ordinary year really. Um, Pendlebury is not, um, you know, he's not going anywhere. Taylor Adams is, a, you know, a genuine star. Um, still side bottom, if he can get the calf right, you know, is, is a guy who who didn't contribute a whole heap last year. Jack Crisp, Darcy Moore, um, obviously All-Australian last year. Jeremy Howe, can he come back from that 
um, terrible broken leg. Braden Maynard um, had an excellent year last year. He sure um, did. There, there are, you know, it, it's the reverse problem of what you were speaking about with with um, with Essendon in that this is now presenting a little bit like, um, especially because of, of all the young fellas that we've had to draft in, it's now presenting a little bit like um, the those that St Kilda list when, you know, you had the big five and and then a lot of role players. And it's it's Buckley's job to figure out, um, you know, how clearly defined those roles can be and how quickly they can become really clearly defined roles. We're going to have to find five or six guys this year um, to challenge. And I think that's going to be too tricky. Um you know, we 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 need to be hopeful uh, around guys like Tyler Brown, who showed a bit in the preseason. Um, you know, guys like Nathan Murphy, who you'd hope could take a step. Can Will Hoskin Elliott find some better footy? Um, you know, because there's guys there that you know will play their role, um, like um, Brody Majacek, and um, you know there 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 are guys Johnny Noble and Isaac Quainor, who Jamie Elliott. Who've shown plenty as kind of week in week out contributors, but it falls away after that. And so, the the best guys on our list and the best ten guys rival the best ten guys on any list, in my opinion, and um, will win us our share of games. Um, the the next four or five guys are going to do enough right, and 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 our season will live and die on how many guys beneath that we've actually got. Um, to know that we're blooding um, Ollie Henry in round one is again is exciting, and and in theory we've drafted a waiver guys who may have an impact on the next five years. But I don't feel confident that Ollie Henry is going to um, plug a gap for us in the forward line straight away, despite seeing a couple of qualities from him and some sticky hands and um, you know and some like nice evasive abilities in the forward line and stuff i don't think he's going to set the world on fire despite being a high draft pick and we've we've gifted him a spot in round 1 um which kind of shows me that we're not really sure um what our best team is um and that's what happens when you take out a couple of guys who were clearly best 22 um so yeah i i, I basically i feel the same um and, uh, you know, in some ways, though, because, I mean, this time last year, you picked them as, as your premiership favourite. I did. I, look, and, I felt pretty good about that after about six games. Well, and that's, that's worth considering. You know, we, we, after four rounds, I think we were the best team in the comp. I think we we'd destroyed the Western Bulldogs, who were everybody's um, pre-season fancy. Um. We'd drawn with the Tigers, uh, and we'd belted the Saints, and you know there, there was there was plenty to like about those first few rounds, and um, it was feeling good from a list profile perspective and all that kind of stuff, uh, and it, it it turned sour pretty quickly. So I guess it all depends. Um, Brody Grundy had a middling year last year, but at his best, he's one of the best players in the comp. He can he can grab them all and 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 bring them along. Um, he can make any midfielder look good at his best, um, and he and he gets his bunny in round one in in um, Tim English. Um, so, <laughs> Merry Christmas, Brody. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I 
I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I, I, it might be recent television viewing that just has me has GWS below Collingwood at the moment, but that 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 might that might be it. Um, Collingwood are eighth on Premiership betting, but of course, for those of us who follow even the most cursory level betting markets, Collingwood are always short. So, <laughs> yeah. Because so, they're always being bet on by their supporters. Yeah, Collingwood are yeah, and then yeah. So, but they're not favourites on Friday night. So, um, just just for those playing at home, I I the value better this week. Gamble responsibly. Um, the value better this week is Fremantle in Melbourne on Saturday afternoon. And it's like one fifty two sixty that game. Three of the value. There's some nice little coin toss games, though, aren't there? If you yeah. if you like a particular team, there's some there's some there's some okay value in this first round. I don't know if I necessarily agree. Essendon Hawthorne's the classic stay away game. No don't one, like either of them. No one has any idea about those two teams against each other. I mean, well, but the way you're the way we framed this evening, um, St Kilda are of tremendous value, wouldn't they be? We will we will get to that. Um, it is a season preview and not a week preview. So, <laughs> um, my next team uh, just missing out on finals in ninth spot again is the Melbourne Footy Club. Um, and 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 we are now getting into um, I th- you know why have you got them ninth? Because I think the eight teams I have above them are better than them. Um, <laughs> they're obviously they played. You know, finals capable football last season, um, interspersed with you know putrid tripe. So, um, a lot's gonna a, a lot's gonna rely on their best players, and and if they and, and and you know if they can get they can get their back six with some continuity and some shape, um. They they've proven that that's a that's a that's a back six that's sort of built like West Coast's, um, that can really not only stop teams scoring but generate scores um, from that. They have, in my mind, one of the best four or five pure mids in the competition in Clayton Oliver, um, coupled with one of the best two or three pure ruckmen in the league in Max Gorn. Um, Ed Langdon proved to be a pretty good pickup last season. Um, the, the the real question mark over over Melbourne is um, that that there's a lot in the Ben Brown basket in terms of kicking goals. Um, you know, there's there's a chance they get more goals out of Mitch Brown this season than they get out of Ben Brown. So, just, and that's not a knock on Ben, but he's 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 hurt at the moment. So, um, and and you know, we 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 give we you know. It, it, Certainly, in my rankings, I give Hawthorne the benefit of the doubt because they 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 they've got a great coach and they can they pretty much consistently overperform. Um, similar for Collingwood, certainly that's probably over the last three you know three years since they sort of rose up the ladder. You know they've been a team that has been greater than the sum of their parts. Melbourne have genuinely been the opposite of that and have shown a tremendous propensity um, under Ruse and then Goodwin. Um, to you know, snatch 
despair from the jaws of opportunity. <laughs> a few years ago when they lost to your mob on the last round of 2017, um, I think in 2016 it was something similar with two or three weeks ago where they lost to Carlton who barely won a game in the three months previously um, and were just beaten at the coalface in that game. They were just bullied off the ball and bullied off the game and bullied off out of the season. Um, it's one thing to do that. But with 2018, they hunted, you know, so everyone was they, – they, they played like there was no internal expectation and that's probably how they need to approach this season. They've got the talent. They've got the depth. Um, they've got the structure. Um, it's about performing when they're expected to perform. Yep. I think that's bang on. Um, I've been a Melbourne fan for a long time. Um, and, yeah, that they have. They've perennially disappointed since they, you know, smashed up the ladder that one year and, and looked like world beaters for a little while. Um, I have them missing. I have them finishing 10th. Um, the, the, the upside for Melbourne is that um, their two best young players in Petraka and Oliver, who are, you know, really, really good players already, um, both have the capacity to be um, top 20 AFL footballers. Um, Petraka exploded last year and showed um, that he's uh, uh, as capable on ball and forward to centre um, as any of the guys we mentioned in earlier dispatches. I, I was really trying to repress my memories of Petraka from last season and one game in particular. Um, <laughs> he had a tremendous season. He was fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and he's been threatening that for some time. But... Um, but we, we finally got to see it in all its glory and it, it was promised prior to round one and he didn't let us down. Um, you know, and you have to feel like if, if, if Max Gorn can string together a full season of footy, you know, Max isn't getting better, but he's, you know, if he can keep his body right, I think he's the best ruckman. Um, you know, and if, if you're starting with those three guys, you can make football look pretty simple. Um, Stephen May has, has, you know, um, has found his niche in that back line. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you were saying it earlier that they have had the names on paper for some time and they've, they've not delivered. Um, yeah, I mean, they're a team. It's, it, you're right. It's hard to get enthused about them, but perhaps we can look to that for some optimism that their best players could be better players this year. Um, um, and they might get some, you know, a full season out of Max and, and then be able to exploit that to their best. Um, yeah, it remains to be seen, but I have the Ds just missing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we can stay on the teams who we ex- – who, who the expectation is there and has been there for some time and it's now time to deliver. I'm going to stick my neck out and suggest that they're about to do exactly that. I've got Carlton finishing eighth. Um, I really like what they did in the off season in terms of, you know, it wasn't, it didn't seem to be a scattergun, you know, who's getting squeezed out of GWS. You know, they, they did indeed pick up someone from GWS and Zach Williams, but that's, you know, 
that's at the other end of the scale from a lot of the players they've picked up from GWS. Zach Williams walks right that team. He doesn't play round one because of something silly he did in the preseason, but um, he will make a huge difference, as will Adam Sade, who is absolutely exactly the type of player they needed. Um, the you know Pitnett is really, really improved as a ruckman. Um, all of a sudden, their midfield seems to have the depth that you need to compete you know, for spots in the finals. Um, I like their forward mix. Um, you know, they brought in, guys, you know, Jack Martin last year and, um, yeah, and they still have guys who can, who, who can probably step up a little bit further. You know, like I think they can still certainly get more out of Mitch McGovern. Um, but I th- it's just time. There are no excuses for Carlton this season whatsoever. None. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree, but I've got Carlton finishing 13th. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I still think that there's a heap of guys who I don't trust in this football club. You know, they're, they're talking up Paddy Dow and, and Lockie O'Brien and um, Maddie Kennedy and Sam Petreski-Seaton. And, like, I just don't – personally, I don't see it. Um, Paddy Cripps is, is standing at the – um, at the edge, I picked him in my super coach side because how can you not when he's five hundred and twenty thousand dollars? And this guy was yeah, like a out and out superstar of the game who had a down year. But we also used to talk about how Paddy Cripps was being like was having to shoulder too much responsibility. Is his body just you know a bit cooked? We don't know. There's a there's a, a bunch of middling guys. I think Mitch McGovern is a great example of a guy who they've invested really heavily in, but I'm not not convinced he's a player um, or you know a guy that's worth that kind of investment. Um, Sam Walsh is a, is a, an absolute star and a, a guy who's who's going to be a great footballer for them. But are we going to see them all play their best for an entire season together? Hmm. I, I don't see it the way other people see it. I think it's I think it's a reasonably middling list. I think Adam Saad's a great player. I think Zach Williams is a great player. I think they're similar players, or that's what they've presented as up until now, though Zach Williams did carve up the pies in a um, preliminary final at the G and has played some very handy midfield footy. When I've watched the Blues in the preseason, he's been playing up forward a little bit. So I'm not I don't know what his role is going to be. I think a lot hinges on Charlie Kerno for me as someone who was, you know, looked like the guy who was ready to kind of grab the comp by the scruff of the neck and, and just hasn't been fit ever since and won't play much footy this year. Harry Mackay, you, you know, you talk about liking their forward mix and I like their forward mix uh, if Kerno's up and about. But I think too much falls to Harry Mackay if he's not up and about. Um, Eddie Betts is well past his best. Um, I think they might just be, uh, and it will frustrate Carlton supporters, but I think that Carlton might be, um, you know, just just ordinary, um, and 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 still ordinary. They've been ordinary for a long time um, since Jack Elliott, really, and. Um, it's harsh, but they, they, they've not shown me yet that they um, 
you know, I think that they'll still win a few games and they tend to win games in really exciting ways as well, which gets the fan base on board. They'll tend, they, they win by coming back from five goals down or whatever. Um, you know, in that, in that way where their crowd makes a lot of noise and, and all that kind of gear. But I just, I fear that um, this could be a year where Collingwood, Carlton and Essendon all missed the eight. Fair I just, I just make two points. Carlton were the one team I watched rather closely through the, through the, that round of preseason games, uh, other than my own, pretty much because they were playing my own team, they got a lot of goals from stoppage. So, and it wasn't necessarily Cripps um, who was doing that. So, um, it's just an interesting point of difference. I don't know whether that's something that's sustainable or not, but um, I just point that out. Richmond certainly turned up, you know, in the finals last year, turned up uh, their ability to score from stoppage. So, I, I, I just point that out. The other thing well, who, is, hang on, who, 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 did, who did the Saints play in the ruck that day? Well, they played Paul Hunter and Sean McKernan, who uh, were okay. in GWS All this right. week. So, Cheers. I'll, uh, um, I'll, I'll, I, I hate to like, I hate to come down so harshly on that particular call, but I, I could score goals from stoppage against those particular ruckmen. Fair enough. You, you do bury for Collingwood, and we're talking about Carlton, so this is understandable. I don't um, hate Carlton because they, they're, they're irrelevant. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'd love to, I'd love to have a good traditional rivalry with with Carlton in that same way that a lot of Collingwood supporters from the nineteen seventies do. But you know, it, it, it's very difficult to stay mad at that club because they they haven't done anything for a long time. So I actually I feel genuinely sorry for some of my Carlton supporting mates, and I hope that they that I'm wrong about this. But I just I don't see a great club in this list. Fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah. I would say this is about your assessment, and this is this would be another way where we differ. I th- it might be. I think if Carlton finish thirteenth, that it'll be it'll be, you know, Mark Stevens and Damien Barrett and Tom Brown camped outside Optus, you know, camped outside Prince's Park for crisis meetings and that sort of thing. It's just it can't be where they they can't they can't meekly accept thirteenth this season. And and probably the reason, you know, the, the word that came to mind when you were describing your feelings to Carlton is they're inoffensive. You know, exactly. I think, I think that... really good teams at various stages when they've been successful have, you know, become offensive to other supporters, whether it's Hawthorne's unsociable football or the way, you know, other successful clubs have gone about Geelong, Brisbane, those sort of things where they... Oh, you know they they haven't cared about whether you know people who don't back for them like them. They just want that respect. Um, that's probably where Carlton did. I don't know who the you know it, they don't have. So they did, but they don't have someone like Mitch Robinson at the club. So maybe maybe that's the the uh, the gap in their list, which is not a, necessarily a football gap. But they, I don't think they, despite the fact Zach Williams is. Suspended for round one, they. I don't think they brought it in with those two guys. But other than that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably more optimistic on Carlton than some other people. But it's, it's also probably, you know, it's time, guys. Um, exactly. Time We've been smelling what they've been cooking for a long, long time, and it's. It, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think it's impossible that they could prove me wrong, but uh, yeah. I, I don't see it. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Um, in seventh, I have the West Coast Eagles. And wow. I was I was unbullish on them last season uh, because of the metrics. Um, they had won a lot of close games and they had won games by kicking straight. Um, I'm not enthusiastic about what they've done to the list. They're, they're not a young list. Um, you know, it's three years removed from a premiership. And if you have those core players who are 27, 28 when you win a premiership, well, three years later, they're 30, 31. Um, they obviously have probably, in terms of in terms of the uh, XY graph, the the deepest best midfield in the competition. Um, they probably, you know, you think of Gaff and Yo and Kelly and Shuey and and then you know you had someone like She to that at that level last season. There's probably one or two others who are just below them, but you think. West Coast fifth best midfielder might be a lot of clubs third best midfielder. So, um, but I just I I I, I feel like their uh, their premiership clock is probably past midnight, and there there is there will be stages this season where they look good on their own deck. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they react to going back, and this is this will be true for Mantle as well. Um, how they go back to, you know, how they're able to deal with more traditional travel patterns um, this season. Because, you know, they did they, they were away from home um, a lot last season, but they weren't in planes a lot. And, you know, it is, it's every time they go and play a game, it's eight or nine hours in a plane. So um, I probably feel, and, and, you know, like last year's, Exit from the finals was not encouraging in the slightest either. You know that's that's that's, and and not the first time that that's happened to West Coast in recent memory where they've had elimination final on their own deck, um, and lost a game they they should win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, this is fascinating. I'm absolutely loving this this podcast at this stage because we're, um, we're how many we've five five places apart on um Carlton and we're uh four places apart on West Coast. Um I've got them finishing third. Um you you spoke about their age profile but I'm I'm looking at wh- you know where that might impact them in the greatest fashion. Um I'm looking at like guys like Josh Kennedy and Shannon Hearn as probably the most vulnerable on the whole list. Um I think if if I think there'd be plenty of clubs who'd be happy with Jack Darling as their as their premier key forward, um, if he can rediscover what he was doing for um, half of that year before he hurt himself, where he was one of the best players in the competition. Um, and Shannon Hearn, I think, has multiple replacements at that footy club, um, thanks to guys like Barras and McGovern and. Um, you know, even a Brad Shepherd. Um, there's, there's, it's. I think their list profile is pretty good. I think their midfield bat's insanely deep. I think there's a lot of quality there, um, and I think um, if they can win enough games to to finish, you know, I think the safest ride um, to a grand final is an interstate ride, um, and just winning that qualifying final and then winning the the 
prelim, which if they're if they're in an if they're in okay shape and can finish top four, um, I give them a chance of 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 being able to do that. Perhaps not as good a chance as Brisbane, who are, whose list I rate a bit better. But um, I've got West Coast finishing third, so I think they'll be I think they'll be in the mix um, towards the very very deep end. Fair enough. Um, I would also add that Shuey and Nat, well, Nat Newey will be 31 soon and Shuey is 30. So, um, and Nat Newey isn't the tree trunk type ruckman who can extend his career, you would think, by standing and being tall while others jump over him. He's normally the one doing the jumping over. So, and, and has also had a lot of injuries during his career. So, um, Behind Nat Nui is Oscar Allen, who I think is has shown a lot um, and and can probably ruck one out. Um, but the games where you've got Nat Nui, he's still an absolute point of difference and and you know arguably um, as effective as um, Max Gorn on his day, um, even based on last year. Uh, and Shuey's certainly got a number of replacements, but I don't necessarily view thirty and thirty one the same way I view thirty three and thirty four. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good team, and and I actually think you know that they were they were a team that was absolutely shocking away from home last year, and yeah, by rights should have won that um, that final the elimination final, um, and found a way to lose it <laughs> probably in the newspapers, um, but yeah, I yeah I, I don't know I, I, this will be such a fascinating watch. And such a fascinating, um, uh, you know, <laughs> who effed up the ladder um, segment when we get to um, the pre-finals episode, Panther. Could it be one of us? Um, okay, so it we're pro- you know, as a, this is this is where it gets interesting. Um, obviously, in the last few spots, um, in sixth position, I had the Western Bulldogs. Speaking of Dick midfields, um, you can't fault what they did in the off-season. But I don't know... I don't know if they've addressed the issues they have with the... the, You know, in terms of this year with the 22 they're going to put on the park. Um, Because they didn't really need another midfielder. But, I mean, when Adam Trelaw becomes available in the open market, and they obviously decided that was was an opportunity that was too good to pass up... Um, Andrew is not going to play full forward for them. Um, Josh Bruce kicked. He kicked less than 20 goals last season, played every game, and kicked six of them in one game. So um, either, either the Bulldogs are measuring key forward efficiency by a different metric than everyone else has in the history of the game, or they need better production out of that position. Now, eventually... It'll be, it might be Hugo Hagen, who you know, and you know, we could go. On, I could go on for another few hours about the fact that the Bulldogs who finished seventh and you know somehow ended up with the number one pick and didn't really have to give up anything to get him. Um, their midfield will just overwhelm teams this season, um, but I, and it, it is good to a degree that I can't. I don't really have them. I can't in this place predict them finishing out of the finals. But I think a lot of the same issues remain as to why they can't take the next step in terms of, in terms of, you know, key position players and performance 
by those players. Yeah, I'm, I'm essentially with you on that. Um, and incredibly, across the whole ladder, I think this is the first time we've had a club finishing in the same position. Um, I have the dogs in sixth. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think there's enough to like, as you say. And I think that there's, um, uh, you know, an incredibly deep midfield. And and if we've just finished talking about West Coast, I think um, the, the dogs bat as deep, if not deeper. Um, I wouldn't mind my club's fifth or sixth best midfielder being um, Bailey Smith, yeah. uh, who's had a, a sensational start to his career. Um, what becomes of Josh Dunkley this year will be a really interesting watch as someone who wanted to get out of that club last year um, and is now in a midfield that that boasts Adam Shalor as well. Um, you know, I presume they won't be giving him ruck minutes, but, um, you know, he's a hell of a footballer um, to be that far down the pecking order that they'd consider putting him in the ruck. Um, so uh, he's an interesting watch for this year. One guy who I'd, I think I'd like to mention, I think Aaron Norton is as well-placed to explode as just about any footballer in the comp. Um, beautiful set of hands and um, very capable and has sort of taken nice steps each year. If he can keep his body right, I think he's one um, that can certainly, you know, um, release the the burden on on Josh Bruce a little bit. And certainly Jamari Ugalhagen um, looks every bit um, the key forward prospect that they would be excited about. Um, you know, they don't have an old midfield. Um, so they can probably uh, allow two or three years for Jamara to come along um, with Norton deep and maybe Jamara roaming the wings a little bit. There's, there's a bit to look forward to at the dogs. And I think that they, they can be a sort of four and five year um, window team. Um, but yes, I, I don't have them getting there yet. Very good. Very good. That, I mean, yeah, um, they did, they did. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with their off season. Um, I, I don't know if they should expect too much out of Stephen Martin, um, but I don't know if they are. So I think, as I think, as I said when we discussed his move, I think they're looking for him to be more sort of what Ben Hudson provided for them for a little while, and and did at Collingwood as well, and sort of I think what Mumford's doing or has done at GWS. So um, I, as I said, their their midfield is so deep um, that. And has such quality that uh, they'll overwhelm teams with possession. You would think at some stages during the season, but I'm not. I'm not convinced they have the balance and the team structure um, to challenge for a premiership. Um, but so much, too much talent that that midfield to have them not in the finals. Where are they on the? They are. I mean, everyone seems to have them around sixth. So that's where they are in the in the premiership betting. Very good. <laughs> I've got the Cats fifth. This is this is one of the Geelong list this year is the is the most daring experiment in list management I think I I've ever seen outside of an expansion club. In so much as this is they're almost immediately about to put the oldest team that's ever played an AFL game in the park and then break that record every week. 
um, the records they set in the finals last season. Um, their, their key recruits in the offseason were Sean Higgins, Jeremy Cameron, and Isaac Smith. Now, Jeremy Cameron is the youngster of that group. Um, he's 27, so he is in his absolute prime that way. Sean Higgins is 33, and Isaac Smith is 32. They you know, replace on the list Harry Taylor and, and Gary Ablett, but um, that's on top of everyone who was at the club last year being a year older. Um, undoubtedly have added elite talent, but are rolling the dice on when the cliff will come and didn't and didn't get rid of, you know, didn't, you know, Harry and Gary re- retired, um, but there was probably two or three other players who probably could have, who were in the age profile where they could have joined them and didn't. Guys like Lockie Henderson. Um, it's, it just feel, I, I know I've got, I've got them fifth and it's, it's an uncourageous place to have them because I feel like they'll win the premiership or miss the finals. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it is really bold, isn't it? Um, you don't want to be the next coach of Geelong um, uh, because if they can sneak this flag, uh, you know, who knows what happens next? I am, um, yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's some history here with, with what I have to say about Geelong. Um, I'm really interested to see how the 20-minute quarters impacts Geelong. I'm interested to see how a regular season impacts Geelong. They went from being a side that I thought would be just fine last year, and I can't remember where I would have had them finishing, but maybe it was seventh or eighth, um, to be a, you know, to have an incredible season um, and to be the team that prior to the grand final I had winning the premiership. They, they, they were fantastic and they got beaten by Dusty, but, um, you know, and they they were actually excellent for a half of that grand final too. Um, they, you know, and they've sort of added to what they they bring, I suppose. And you're right, the cliff is coming, but um, we know they'll win games in Geelong. Um, so you'd you'd be stupid to have them finishing outside of the eight. Um, and I think they'll do enough to make the top four. Um. I think I'm just hoping that when you load up for a premiership tilt like this, that it doesn't work. Um, it'd be an annoying, like, mismanagement strategy from, like, AFL Live 2004 on the PS2. Um, I always thought the best of... example of that was Brisbane's trading after the 2009 season. Yeah, Fev that... and John O'Brown. Yeah. And yeah. Xavier Clark and Matt McGuire and Amon Buchanan and Brent Staker and yeah, probably forgetting someone. But there's a bit of that about this list now um, with the age profile and just like, you know, relying on, on the, the game developers still saying that there's stats up around 95 for someone like a Sean Higgins who's been an incredible footballer. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm hoping that it fails. Um, and, and that's why I've got them finishing fourth um because if they finish fourth um maybe another team will knock them off and maybe they'll get knocked off again um and that'd be the end of the experiment and i could breathe a sigh of relief because maybe geelong wouldn't be any good leading into a particular year but um am i confident of that i'm not 
They've been up essentially for this will be season hundred years. Eighteen, really. Um, although they lost, they they got absolutely thumped by St Kilda and Carlton the first two games of two thousand and four, and then pretty much since then have been um, competitive. I would say this you know, about the cliff. No one hated. No one hated Geelong prior to this run, and I don't want to hate Geelong. There's something something that irks me about um, Chris Scott. But I, you know, but I don't want to. I don't want to hate Geelong. I don't think they're a team that I that I feel I should hate. But there's just something that I just that they really they irk me. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I I feel the same way about someone else's Geelong football club, but it'd probably be a less popular suggestion. So I might keep <laughs> my counsel on that one. On, on my on the microphone, I would make this point. We never ever. No, no club ever goes into a season saying this is the season where we're going to fall off the cliff. So it's denied and then it happens during the season. So, you know, Geelong had the opportunity last offseason to do what Essendon did. What Essendon did. They had three first-round draft picks. They could have brought three kids in, put them, stuck them into the much-famed Geelong development process. Um, and And... Did a sustainable rebuild, but they have, yeah, they're they're all in on Ace King, and you know they might run into a pocket pair. It's it'll be interesting to see, but I, it won't be boring, um, and there will be lots of three sixties about it. Would be my prediction, but I have classically. Not thrown at their bowler's end or the keeper's end, but thrown the ball down the middle of the pitch <laughs> and picked them to finish fifth. Right behind the mighty St Kilda Football Club. Ooh. Um, you know how Carlton I've been don't have you any, to say it. You know how Carlton don't have an excuse for not making finals? Mm-hmm. St Kilda don't have an excuse for not finishing top four. Um they they quite frankly should be better than last season. Um some of their most improved players should be better again. Um, they when I'm talking, you know, and I'm talking about blokes like Nick Caulfield, Hunter Clark, Max King, um, Brad Crouch, and Jack Higgins are going to be very nice additions. And you, you couldn't have been unhappy as a St Kilda supporter with Higgins' performance in the preseason game. If anything, he was too unselfish. Um, it's you, you're not going to want to pick up a loose ball in the back line and and have Higgins and Butler and. Loney and probably one or two others buzzing around trying to tackle the ball off you. They 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 played again the Carlton game a little bit like they were going to try and compete with each other for how many forward half turnovers they could cause this year. Um, Jack Sinclair looks and they are looking to start to move. You know because of that midfield depth, they are now starting to look to you know play you know midfielders in other positions and Sinclair played in the back line and I, it, to great success in that preseason game, Seb Ross, I think is going to spend some time there. Um, and, you know, there are guys last year who took the leap like Jack Steele. And there are guys last year who we know are good footballers who, be, you know, play, didn't play the second half of the season like Jake Gresham. So um, like what I've said about some other clubs, um, this is, this appears to be a really well balanced list. Um, now that they've started to accumulate, you know, the sort of 
qual- midfield quality depth that you need to have to make a, have a real crack at it. So um, I find myself thinking, why not St Kilda? And, I, and other than, you know, the good old Mr Burns, five misfortunes, but eight misfortunes that have sort of happened to St Kilda at the start of the season, which means we've got a few out for the first few games. There are, there are no excuses. I don't think. This is a team that should be in the premiership conversation. Wow. I admire your confidence, Panta. And, um, uh, yeah, I wish I, I wish I shared it. I mean, I think that the Saints are a finals team, but I don't think they're a contender. Um, I think that they're – I have them finishing seventh, and I, I flip-flopped on – the Saints versus the Dogs at 6th and 7th, which is where they finished last year. And it's probably not terribly brave of me to not advance either of them. Um, And was it the Dogs 6th and the Saints 7th and the Saints beat the Dogs or was it vice versa? Saints finished 6th. Saints were the home team. Saints were the home team and they won. And... um, they had an excellent year and you predicted that. So I, I should really just bow to your better judgment um, because you, you had them finishing in the eighth and I didn't know what kind of recruiting that they'd done. Um, I just knew that they had done a lot of recruiting. Um, so it, it was tough to say they were, I, I didn't, I liked the names that they brought in. Um, but I, but did I think that, did I think that made the St Kilda list? Did I think? Did I see enough genuine A grade quality to think that this was a, a side that was going to be pushing to be, um, you know, a genuine flag contender? I didn't think so. And if 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 that quality exists on the list, it's not from the guys that have been brought into the list. It's from I think it's guys like Rowan Marshall and. Um, the boy who got um, King, Max King, who got the golf ball in the head. And, For God's sake, yeah. And Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield, probably less so Nick Caulfield, but certainly Hunter Clark, who's done some really special things um, so that you, I've witnessed. Who do you reckon Anna Caulfield and Clark finished higher in the best and fairest last season? Well, I know that you're setting me up for failure here, so I'll just say Caulfield. But yeah, I it was Caulfield who finished fifth. He was. I mean, I didn't. I did. I. I was starting to have my doubts. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, his his year last year as a as a, particularly as an intercepting defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there, there's there's the pleasure you get as a supporter from seeing a player who you've seen do some nice things, replicate those nice things more often. But there's a much different level of pleasure that comes from seeing a bloke address holes in his game. Caulfield, was, Caulfield through his first two years in, in, in the comp, um, was a panicker. The longer he had the ball, the more likely he was to make a mistake. And that turned around 180 degrees in the course so of the season. I, I, I You know... The, the conventional thing to do would be to give credit to the coach um, or the coaching staff. So, you know, it was a tremendous turnaround. And, you know, I got to the point where it was just, I got to the point where I, I you get the ball and I'd be just like, okay, so it's fine. Nick, Nick, Nick Caulfield's got the ball. So who do you have as the better player right now? 
Well, they're very close. I mean, I, th- I, I think Hunter Clark's um, ceiling is higher. Yeah, I'd agree I, with I, that. I think, I, think, I, think, I think Hunter Clark's ceiling is brown-like. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I think, I think Hunter Clark's ceiling is, like, extremely good. Is definitely mm. – and I think, I think that, as I mentioned, them both in the same breath, and it's difficult not to when they are the same draft, but I, I think that they're, they're both um, high-ceiling players. Um, but that potentially Hunter Clark has the capacity to be a better player, um, you know. And I, I still think that that's the the St Kilda Footy Club is dependent on that becoming the A grade talent. Um, and but, we're not. But, go ahead. But speaking of Brownlows, who had Jack Steele finishing top three before the exactly. start of last season? And you know that wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't out of nowhere. That was. You know, if you watched the season, that was a pretty accurate reflection of the season he had. Was he the third best player in the comp? I don't think he was, but he was pretty high up in a, in a couple of media awards in the coaches awards. So, I um, rate Jack Steele's season extremely highly, and and there's no reason to think that he can't replicate it um, as a really hard um, footballer and one who can accumulate the football like no one else. Um, or like few others in the game, um, certainly, you know, like, a, yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're essentially saying the same thing, I think, um, but I perhaps, perhaps I've just watched a little less than you have, but I, I can't be as bullish as, as you are, that, that this club goes to the, the absolute next level required to be a, a top four side and a premiership contender. I think that they are, I, I haven't witnessed them as a club that whose ceiling is uh, a top four side. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah. In, in terms of last year, I, I, I feel like the gap wasn't, wasn't that big between the final four who I think were the top four. Um, I mean, St Kilda played, Essentially, two poor games of football last season against Geelong and Collingwood, and the Geelong game was, I think, and I think everyone had this game where it was just like the too many games in a short period of time, and it catches up with your game. Um, the uh, there were there were certainly some you know some poor periods in games and and extended periods, which is why we lost to North Melbourne and Fremantle, who neither of whom played finals. Um, but but other than that, we were in every game and we won. And we won most of them. So um, we beat Port Adelaide and Adelaide. We, the game against Brisbane at the Gabba was there to win. And, and we beat Richmond early in the season. And, and you know, Richmond, Richmond made every post a winner in, in that final where they beat us. And, you know, they're, they're the three-time premiers for a reason that, that they, can, they can do that and sort of intend to do that. And that's not, a, that's not an accident. That's a skill. Um, but St Kilda weren't without a chance, without without a you know not not a are you telling me there's a one in a million chance dumb and dumb and chance but um yeah they were within three goals you know five minutes into the first last quarter of that final so it wasn't a thrashing I think it'd be churlish to suggest that we were never in that game so no, of course not so. Of course not. You know, just what we've added, and you know, the developments coming from within the the club and the players. Um, I just, you know, you you think to yourself, why, 
why should we be putting a line through them? And, you know, I, I can't think of it. Other than, you know, and, and, and I think I think there's been a bit of, but obviously the injuries in, in round one, you know, at this stage are less than ideal. GWS are clear favourites for that game. It is in it is in Western Sydney where we haven't. I don't know if we've ever won at that ground. Um, and St Kilda got the toughest draw, the toughest fixture. But they, I, I, I think I think analysis about draws is good in retrospect, but it's not great for predicting seasons. I agree with that. Um, yeah. I think the the a tough draw can make a team. Yeah, um, you, but you've got to I, beat them sometime. So that's right. And I think you know you, you get a couple of good early wins, a couple of good tough wins, and you can build something amazing. Um, I look, you watch your team a lot more than I do, um, but I I wonder if there's some a tiny bit of hyperbole in a top four finish, and we'll just find out as the season progresses. No worries. Um, I've got Richmond third. And this is where I'm going to make very little sense. So Richmond have won three premierships. They've won them all from third. Um, I'm predicting Richmond to finish third, and I'm not predicting them to win the premiership. <laughs> um, history shows us that this is where it ends. Uh, Brisbane got three in a row. Geelong got three in five years. Hawthorne got three in a row. And I guess you could call it four, depending how you feel about 2008. But the, the next one is the next one is that is the almost impossible one and the one that has proven impossible. And this is this is the same this is the same list as last season. It's it's the same team. The, the the age profile and in particular their best players is 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 getting along and and every year and this has happened to Richmond probably didn't happen after 2017 but I think it's happened each of the last three years after that there's been a little bit of a chip away at their depth where where the players who aren't getting an opportunity go somewhere else to get an opportunity so it's not a problem we've got three blokes at St Kilda who are there because Richmond prefer Daniel Rioli but this this is there's just the just the the law of averages says this is the bridge too far for Richmond. Yeah, I mean they're, they're, that's right. they're in a different stratosphere if they get it done. They're they're one of the two or three best clubs in the history of the game if they win the premiership this season. It's funny, isn't it? Because like, I mean, obviously we've we've ranted and we've raved about Dusty um, ad nauseum, um, and I think Dimmer. If they can get this done, it's also got to be dimmer because I've never viewed. I, I don't think I've viewed Richmond's list as the best list in the competition in any one of their premiership years. Um, their style of football has been awesome, like in that you know it's had it's had masters of the game like Clarkson sort of say things like, "Oh, it's not," you know. It's not pretty or whatever his quote was about the way that Richmond play footy and, you know, it's just sort of, it's chaos football. It's it's bash it in and kick goals and whatever. But it's like they've, they've been winning. It, it's been incumbent on every other AFL coach to figure out something that beats this team. And in the finals, 
or really in the latter latter part of each of the premiership years, no one's been able to come close. Um, so is a, a slight variation on the same theme going to be good enough for a team that I yet again don't view as having the best list in the competition? Um, but they've never they've never had it. And they, you know, they've never finished top. Well, the one year they finished top, they didn't win it. Um, and, yeah, I don't think anyone has ever said that they have the best list in the competition. But Which is remarkable. I would say that Hawthorne had the best list for a, 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 the better part of that time and Geelong had the best list for that entire time. And, and Brisbane had certainly had the best list of all time. And mm-hmm. so, you, in my opinion, so you, you kind of look at those dynasty teams and go, yeah, I can see why that was happening. Like, you, you know, there, that quality was at some point going to be too much for other teams to handle. And, um, you know, and, and you're right, the stats say they don't do it again. But the, you know, the stats also say that they've, they've been a contender. Like if Richmond finished third this year, are you going to bet against them when the, when the whips are cracking? Like if this season plays out the way that you've predicted it on paper and we get to the finals and Dusty is there lining up against the Saints in week one of the finals or, or week two or week three of the finals, whichever way it ends up going, are you going to feel confident that, that Dusty won't just do it again? Um, I don't think any uh, fan of any other team will feel confident coming into a final against Richmond oh. if they finish third. They're, they're, they're going to be there with a genuine chance of doing it again with that crash and bash football that that teams have not found an answer to. To, to be perfectly honest, uh, Cameron, if, if St Kilda were playing Richmond in the prelim um, this year, I'd feel exactly the same about Dusty as I felt about Lionel Messi when Liverpool were playing Barcelona in the Champions League semifinals after he scored his second goal of that first leg. He was like, this isn't fair. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be, oh yeah, that's not a rational thought, it's not an adult thought, but that's, I know how I'd feel. I'd just feel like, you know, but we can talk about this at some other stage. I, I, you know, there's a lot been said about Richmond and their best player. Um, but can you imagine, I mean, where Dusty would rank or where he would be entitled to rank if he did the double again this year, if they won the premiership, they're fourth in five years and he won the Norm Smith, he won his fourth Norm Smith medal. It would be, it would, it would, it would begin to be really difficult not to mount the goat case. And I don't mean that as every man and his dog gets called it nowadays. And, you know, I mean, actual, you know, it's, you can make the argument is in Lee Matthews territory now, but if he was well, the this- best on ground in the grand final four, four out of five years. This is why this is why I asked you to revisit that um, podcast from prior to the grand final last year because you you called it beautifully. Well, he needed he needed that grand final to elevate himself into that conversation because he'd been part of dominant teams and been the icing on the cake. But he grabbed him and he put him on his back and he did it by himself, just this, about. This might be the wrong time to ask this question, considering we're almost at the two-hour mark. But if I may indulge myself, um, <laughs> that that grand final performance was was enjoyable on two levels for me. Um, one was, I guess, at a level of, of because because I because I because I had said 
well, what if he does this? And then it came through. <laughs> yeah. But also, it was a joy to watch it happen. I mean, unless you're a Geelong supporter, um, yeah, you, you should be watching sport to witness greatness. And to see to see that happen and to be able to anticipate it was going to happen and then see him deliver. You know, there's just more and more expectation on him as as as, as he keeps doing it. Um, but to see, you know, I, I, you know, I've heard people talk about this, about like people like Larry Bird, you know, and feel like they was like, it's not so much, you get to a point where you expect it to happen. And that's where Martin is now in a final. It's just like, well, can you imagine what would have gone, you know, they're professional sports people and you hope they don't think like that. But one would have to think that when Port Adelaide woke up preliminary final day and pulled their blinds open and saw the clouds and the showers that, you know, it was just like, what? couldn't it just not rain today? Because anyway, I didn't really want to spend a long time on Richmond, but no, I'm, I'm look, I'm basically with you. I, I, you know, it's boring, but I actually think Martin will win the Brownlow. Um, There's and, a, there and, is a bit of buzz, and he's 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 looking fantastic. There's no reason to believe that he couldn't. Um, you know, it, I, I, we, me and my mates are in a we we each year we um have a last team standing um fifty dollar bet where we just we we put up a team that we say, you know. They don't have to win the flag or anything like that, but it's just our four teams against each other, last team standing. And I picked first this year, which is a, you know a nice moment, although the person who picks first has never won. Um, but picking first is a nightmare because I've got my own opinions about where the season will go, but how can you not pick Richmond? Imagine leaving Richmond for someone to snare at pick two. You know? You don't pick Essendon. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, speaking of Essendon a little bit, and uh, speaking of Richmond a little bit, do you know that there was a team last in last year's final who beat Richmond? Richmond lost their first final; they lost it to Brisbane. Mm. That's who I've got second. Uh, you know, so let's think about this. Brisbane were as good as they were last season. They had clearly the best player in the competition last season, in Lockie Neal, from start to finish. Um. And they added Joe Danaher, and they lost Stefan Martin, who was probably getting moved out of that ruck spot at the Brisbane Lions anyway. So I think it requires a little bit of explaining to think why Brisbane would, would. And I think there's a bit of this going around, as in people are expecting Brisbane to fall over a little bit because the advantage they had last season. Um, but there's still a ton of... Um, improvement left in this list look the cam raider injury is pretty disappointing um but they've still got a very good young list and they've just added a guy who i think three years ago we all thought was probably the one guy you would have picked to as a key forward to start a team with in joe Dana. 100 percent. you know um he was that guy and if he can just rediscover anything like that he's just plug the one hole that there was in this Richmond team. Um, you know, genuine key position um, depth on every line, um, bar, bar the sort of full forward spot. 
Mm. Um, an incredible deep batting midfield um, with, you know, up-and-comers, yes, the Rainer loss is tragic, but McCluggage and Berry and um, Zorko and the Brownlow medalist. Um, yeah, and then, then last year, Jared Lyons falls in their lap. Yeah, you know, really beautiful. You go and, and do it, the hard work, Jared, you know, and he, he just loves it. Yeah. Yep. Zach Bailey, um, who I think is another guy who's poised to strike this year and be a genuine genuine star. He sort of has the perfect um, grounding to become that. If he gets some midfield minutes this year, although he's been very handy up forward, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, could benefit from there being so many good players um, at Brisbane. Um, my, the safest bet, I think if you're talking about a top eight side this year would be to Quinella somebody and the Brisbane lions in the grand final. I think that they're, they've, they're sort of battle hardened um, in having their straight sets and then winning a final. Um, I really like Brisbane to have two finals in Brisbane this year and to get, get it done, whether they can win on the. There are some similarities between the successful Brisbane teams under Lee Matthews. It was year three where they made the grand final. They've been in the finals the previous two years. So mm. there are there are some similarities there. They've also got I mean they've they've also they, there's barely a hole on that best twenty two. With exactly depth. right. So, you know, they've got one of the best key defenders in the league who's one of the most versatile. You know, he can play shutdown, he can play intercept. That's Harris Andrews. Um I think you just about be, depending how you feel about Jeremy McGovern, um, I think Harris Andrews would probably be the first key defender most guys, most people would pick if they were picking an all-star team. So He is. He is. Yeah. He's the, the best one-on-one defender in the comp. Yeah. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's up for debate, really. And I'd, Yeah, they don't have a hole. Um, so I have them second. I have them, I have them second. I have Port Adelaide first. Um, I just I see no reason um, to discount or or show disrespect to what Port Adelaide did last season, and I think I think their 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 list is deep enough, young enough, even enough in terms of position depth, and 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 they finished top last year. I think they've added a couple of nice players in Alira Lear and, and Aragio Fantasia who might be able to add something, but you know, not a lot walked out the door. I get, you know, um, so I'm really, I, I don't see any reason to hop off Port Adelaide. Last year they they were they were top team from go to woe from pillar to post in the hundred away season, and I think it was you know with all the other stuff that was going on, it was overlooked. Um, if Ken Hinckley is worth his salt as a coach, um, he'll be he'll be he'll have them firmly in the no one. But they still don't believe in his corner um, going into this season. And you know, considering their history um, and where they're from and their supporter base, I mean, if there's one club who should try and embrace something as close to a shin bone of spirit that's not North Melbourne, it's Port Adelaide. They should be with a little guy and. No one respects us, and we've got to fight from scratch for everything. Um, and you know, 
there should be enough motivation in that group considering what happened last season when, you know, Dusty took it away from them in the second half of that prelim, which was a which was an incredible contest. I <laughs> I'm holding on um, Port Adelaide for just for now. Um, we we did this last year, and we and we kept wanting them not to be uh, a genuine contender. And I think every you know popular commentator was doing the same thing and just going, "Can we trust Port Adelaide? Can we trust Port Adelaide?" Um, and the reason I'm I'm holding and not not I'm not all in is that, um, you know, in the same way that I'm not willing to write off GWS based off the COVID year, I'm not willing to. Um, I'm not willing to buy Port Adelaide based on the COVID year, and and they got an incredible leg up from their fixture in the early part, um, and then they cashed in. They built some great confidence in their list around um, that first six games or so, where I don't think they'd had a really tough hit out. They smashed West Coast um, in about round five, but West Coast were no good. They were up in the hub. Um, you know, and Port had had kind of arrived, um, but but really found their voice as the year progressed, um, and they started knocking off some better teams. It was built, I think, in some way by that draw. And I look at it and I go, Rosie and Butters and um, Dersma are excellent, excellent young players, and they've revitalised this list. But I still think that Robbie Gray and Travis Boak and Tom Rockliffe. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know. Obviously, Charlie Dixon's had an incredible season and one out of the box. But some of those guys are sort of approaching the end. Um, there, there's, to me, there's still a couple of question marks hanging over Port from a um, the old and the new type of um, argument. So they, I think, they need to start being carried by some different players, and so there are question marks hovering over this team that, to me, aren't hovering over Brisbane. Um, and that we've seen that the the new brigade are ready to take over, and the uh, old brigade aren't so old that they can't contribute this year. the the list The list profile, from an age point of view, is in better shape than Port Adelaide's. Um, there's still a bit of old and young about um, Port Adelaide, which should inspire Essendon as and, and show them that anything's possible um, as far as a quick turnaround is concerned. It still makes me wonder because I think in between Gray, Boak, um, Rockliffe and those guys, and then down to Dersma, Rosie and Butters, um, I, don't, I don't see the elite quality in the middle of that list. Fair enough. I got convinced in the prelim last season. I thought that was – I, I can't think of a more honourable loss. Oh, they're a tough side. They're a, they're a really tough side. I think they will hold them in good stead. Um, and I, I do look towards that, that, particularly those three players uh, that you mentioned, Dersma, Rosie, and Butters, to uh, take another step forward in their development. But they, uh, I, there wasn't a lot I disagreed with you there. I just, I just, I guess I'm just more bullish on them just generally. Um, they are on the fourth line, or equal third line of premiership betting with Brisbane. So anyway, um, if you're still listening, congratulations. We're past the two-hour mark. <laughs> um, so, Cam, did you just want to go from bottom, recap from bottom to top for your ladder prediction, please? 
Absolutely. Um, so I have Adelaide Bottom, yep. and then North Melbourne, yep. Essendon, Hawthorne, yep. Sydney, Carlton, yep. Gold Coast, Frio, the D's, the Pies. And then, yep. and then in the eight, eight, I have the Giants, Saints, Dogs, Port, Geelong, West Coast, Richmond, and Brisbane to finish top and make the grand final. I'm not confident on them winning it, but uh, if, I've, if I've got to pick a premier right now, it's Brisbane. Okay. Um, and I had from the bottom, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Hawthorne, Essendon, Gold Coast, Fremantle, Sydney, GWS, Collingwood, and Melbourne missing the finals. And the final eight were Carlton, West Coast, Western Bulldogs, Geelong, and the top four, St Kilda, Richmond, Brisbane, and Port Adelaide. Um, I've got the top two playing in the grand final. Um, and I'd probably lean towards Brisbane. So I'm, I'm just very likely to pick any, pick you know, to back any team finishing first to win the premiership, considering it never happens anymore. So <laughs> Grinch, grumble, grumble, Grinch. <laughs> it's so interesting, um, isn't it, to like to spend all that time talking about teams and to back Port Adelaide, and then to say, but they'll lose on Grand Final day to the team I've I've popped second. Yep. Um, you've got Dusty at nine dollars to win the Brownlow. Who was your pick? Yeah, I think so. Um, um, David King's pick is at seventeen dollars. That's Matt Rowell. Um, <laughs> Matt, 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 Matt. Just, just, just a little bit of advice for Matt. We, we, we love Matt Rowell. He might as well be $170. Um, well, is he, is he, is he 10 not, votes from four games? Yeah, uh, I think it might have been, but he's, he's, that's, I, I don't, I, I think there might have, it was, I don't know if it was 10, but the coaches certainly liked him. Um, if you want my Smokey for the brand, like Clayton Oliver at $41. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, Zach Jones is at 51. I could go down a rabbit hole there. Um, <laughs> I said my value bet for this week was Frio uh, to beat Melbourne in Melbourne. Season starts Thursday, Richmond Carlton. Richmond unfurling two flags. So um, it'll be good to see people back at the MCG. Cameron, that was certainly a preview. So let's try and top three hours next year. Um, Thanks for joining me and uh, all the best for the Pies for the season coming. Good on you, punter. I I hope the Saints get the job done. No worries. That is a wrap for our AFL season preview. I should go without saying we will catch you next time.